We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. This is the LakersNation.com podcast. We just watched Team USA beat Slovenia. I'm going to jump on here for a minute, talk a little bit about what we saw from Austin Reeves, what we saw from Team USA in general, and talk a bit about what we know of the Lakers schedule so far. Now, this is not going to be the standard length show or postgame show. Typically, we would go, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. This will be a little bit shorter than that, especially since, you know, hey, it's a, it's a Saturday afternoon. But nonetheless, I wanted to get on here and talk a little bit about Austin and what we saw out of him primarily. You know, I, I thought Austin Reeves, and by the way, the, the box score is it's still shifting a, a little bit. They used Team USA, used a different site uh, for the box score this, this uh, game than they did last game. But nonetheless... Austin, according to the current box score, as it's being updated, he's at 10 points, five boards, four assists. Now, I watched this game over on playback. I was doing the play-by-play. Any of you who joined me, of course, welcome. Uh, I'll be doing the game tomorrow as well uh, against Spain. Team USA against Spain, 12.30 Pacific time. will be on playback. You can find the link in the description of the videos over on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel or just go uh, to playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. You can join me um, for the game Uh, tomorrow but nonetheless we've got Austin putting up 10 points five boards four assists contributing a little bit across the board and I've got some people in the chat that are saying well Austin you know needs to get more minutes from Steve Kerr I I would love to see Austin get all them of course when we're watching we want to see Austin get in there but the reality is there's tons of really good players on Team USA and Steve Kerr is to kind of figure out who's going to fit best together. That's a lot of what these games are. They're exhibition games that aren't going to count against Team USA's record. Instead, this is a chance for Steve Kerr to play around with different lineups, with different rotations, different combinations of players, and get a sense of what works and what doesn't work heading into the FIBA World Cup. Now, fortunately, Austin, it seems like, just fits in wherever. It doesn't seem to matter where you play Austin. It doesn't matter what lineup you put him in. He just goes out there and does his thing and plays well. Um, Austin, again, 10 points in, in this one. And I thought he could have shot even more, but he focused mo- mostly on moving the basketball and being more of a, a facilitator, but still put up 10 points, made some good decisions out there. And I thought Austin looked very, very comfortable. And that's 
kind of just who Austin is, right? That's what we're seeing consistently. If it's the NBA regular season, he's comfortable. If it's the NBA playoffs where the intensity picks up a notch, he's comfortable. The Denver Nuggets are pressuring. It doesn't matter. Austin does his thing. Team USA, you're playing with a different ball, different rules, different teammates. Austin just does his thing. He looks like he simply belongs. And that was great to see. That was great to see Austin out there clearly belonging with this team. And I think Steve Kerr has talked about this, that if there's any kind of a change he's going to make that starting five, it's going to be Tyrese Halliburton or Austin Reeves moving into the starting five. And that's incredible. A guy who was undrafted two years ago, and he's playing with guys who were very highly drafted, most of them, to potentially be in the starting lineup. If not, he's essentially Team USA's sixth man at worst. At worst right now, he's Team USA's sixth man. And I got to say this, I kind of like Austin and Halliburton as the backcourt. I kind of like it. And unfortunately, that would mean that Austin does not start if Steve Kerr sticks with that. But I kind of like it. I think the whole vibe of the game changes when Austin comes in with Halliburton because Halliburton is such a pass-first point guard and Austin himself is such a great ball mover and can just read the game and figure out exactly what the game needs. He's incredible at that. And so it's a, it's if you're an opponent playing against Team USA, it's almost like you have to prepare to play against the starters, which is Jalen Brunson, Anthony Edwards, Brandon Ingram, Mikael Bridges, and then Jeremy Jackson Jr., and you have to prepare to play against the bench who play a completely different brand of offense than the starting lineup does, which is that's got to be frustrating to try to defend against when you've got that bench unit with Austin and Halliburton in it playing for Team USA. And of course, both of those guys are also versatile enough to get mixed into the starting unit and create that kind of extra ball move. That's my one criticism of the, the Team USA starting five is they don't move the ball very much. They've been doing some great things defensively. Anthony Edwards has been flying all over the place. That's been a big key to their success, has been their defense. But offensively, they've got a lot of ISO guys. Again, Jalen Brunson, he can operate out of the pick and roll, but ISO. Brandon Ingram, mostly ISO. Like These guys are pass secondary players, right? Shoot first, pass second players. Then you've got Anthony Edwards out there, who's been good, probably been Team USA's alpha so far. Uh, Mikhail Bridges out there, and then Jaron Jackson Jr. You don't have a lot of ball movers in that starting five. And then you've got a lot in that second group. You've got a lot in that second group. So it's a very different style when you go to Austin off the bench. But again, you can mix and match Austin with literally any lineup. And he's going to do his thing. He's going to be just fine. And that versatility is certainly a luxury for head coach Steve Kerr. Now, I will say this. This is something to keep an eye on for the Lakers this season. I was hoping, number one, I was hoping to see Austin operate handling the ball out of pick and roll a little bit more in this game than what we got to see. I think that's something that is going to directly translate into the Lakers season. I believe the rumors that Austin is going to be operating as the initiator more in the Lakers offense this next season, that the ball is going to run through him more, and that's going to push D'Lo off ball a little bit more than we saw last season. I buy that. And so with that being the case, I want to see Austin get ball handling opportunities with Team USA. However, he's mostly operating as the off-ball or secondary creator with Team USA's offense with Tyrese Halliburton being the on-ball guy, which Halliburton is fantastic. I love watching him play. Not saying that's the wrong thing to do, just from the Lakers' perspective. I'd like to see Austin on-ball a little bit more. But also say something to keep an eye on. As we're watching the World Cup, as we're watching the team prepare, this is two games in a row. Puerto Rico did it, and now Slovenia did it, trying to pick on Austin Reeves defensively. 
going at him, specifically targeting him. And that's something that we've seen NBA teams do as well to varying degrees of success. I think Austin does a really nice job fighting. There was a possession where he even got switched onto, I don't recall his name, but Slovenia's big. And Austin fought and fought and fought and actually got a turnover, which was fantastic to see. But teams attacking Austin's perimeter defense is something that I think we're going to see throughout the World Cup. And I think it's also important that he gets those reps for the Lakers because we've seen teams try to do that to Austin in the NBA as well. Now, I think he does just fine as a, um, as a perimeter player, as a perimeter defender with Team USA but and with the Lakers as well. But nonetheless... If I am, um, oh, there's some news coming out. And nonetheless, if I am, uh, if I'm the Lakers, I want him getting as many reps as I can perimeter with his perimeter defense. Okay. Here's the news that just came out and, oh, wait, I almost forgot. I've got this. Breaking news. It's not often that we have news break mid-show so forgive me we got to use it we got to use the breaking news drop so adrian wojnarowski bspn says espn sources the 76ers have ended trade talks on guard james harden and plan to bring him back to training camp for the start of the season the sixers had periodic off-season conversations with the clippers uh harden's desired destination but no traction on a deal has materialized uh he goes on to say the Sixers and Harden agreed to seek a trade together after Harden picked up his player option, but Philly believed it has a championship team with Harden and wants to find a way to make it work with him. Harden has been emphatic in wanting a trade, so the Sixers are setting up an uncomfortable situation to start camp. Ultimately, Philadelphia wouldn't make a trade that they believed would compromise their title hopes. Oh boy, there's some drama. No James Harden to the Clippers. And now if you're Philly, this is something Keith Smith and I will certainly talk about on the front office show, but if you're Philly, you are risking an unhappy James Harden showing up to camp, which that is very different than like an unhappy Damian Lillard, right? That the Blazers could be risking or the Brooklyn Nets risking an unhappy Kevin Durant, right? Uh, Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, all right, we know they're going to play. They're going to do their thing. Right? That's what's going to happen. James Harden, if you guys remember years ago, when James Harden was done in Houston and he said, that's it, I'm out. The Lakers were actually the last team to play the James Harden Houston Rockets. And it was so obvious that he didn't want to be out there, that he had no interest in being there. He was playing at maybe 50%, maybe 50% effort James Harden was. And ultimately the Rockets just after that, they sent him home and, and traded him eventually to the Brooklyn Nets. James Harden, who doesn't want to be there, is not the same as a Damian Lillard, as a Kevin Durant. A James Harden that doesn't want to be there, doesn't give full effort, shows up out of shape. It's It, it gets ugly. It gets ugly with a James Harden who does not want to be there. Now, who knows? Maybe James Harden has so much respect for Daryl Morey that he shows up in shape and competes and you know everything's fine. I don't know. I wouldn't predict that, though. Because history tells us that the, a James Harden that doesn't want to be there is not someone that you want on your roster. So I think this is a couple things for, for Philly. I think, number one, this is Philly saying, we're taking our ball and leaving. Clippers, you're not coming anywhere close to what we want for an offer. I think that's part of I think this is 
I don't want to say a bluff, but this is Philly strong arming the Clippers into giving them more, right? I think that's part of what this is. But I also wonder how much of this is kind of a warning shot to James Harden that, hey, James, look, if this doesn't work out, maybe you need to expand your list of teams or you need to mentally start preparing to be here because you're under contract. So just start getting ready. Just understand we may not be able to trade you. It wouldn't shock me if this still winds up getting done at some point. But them pulling away from the negotiation now says the Clippers were not anywhere close to getting a deal done. And look, you know, I know this is a Lakers show. This does have an impact on the Lakers. There's certainly purple and gold lenses to look at this through because the Lakers play the Clippers. We already know November 1st, they're going to be playing the Clippers. Will James Harden be on that team or not? Certainly looking like a no right now. But if you are the 76ers, you're in such a tough spot because if you move Harden for what the Clippers are offering, which we'd have to assume the Clippers are offering, a, you know, Robert Covington, a few of their kind of mid-level contract guys that they can stack together. They don't have much in the way of picks to offer. Um, they don't want to offer Terrence Mann, reportedly. So if you're the, the 76ers and you show up and you get Nicholas Batum and, I don't know, maybe best case you get Norman Powell in it? Maybe? And that's what you bring? If you're the 76ers and you call up Joel Embiid and you say, hey, we trade, traded James and we got Robert Covington and Nicholas Batum, what do you think Embiid's going to say? They say, cool. I want out. <laughs> get me out of here. I'm going to win a championship somewhere else. That's the problem. That's the problem for the 76ers. Right now, they're in a spot where if they don't get this right, if they don't get pieces back that can help them win right now, the next problem that they're going to be creating is one with Joel Embiid. That's the tough spot. That's the tough spot that the 76ers are now in. And so now, if you're the Sixers, it's, well, do we take the certainty that we take that we get the the low ball offer here from the Clippers, the poo-poo platter that we bring back and it's going to make Joel Embiid upset. We know with certainty that's going to happen. Or do we risk, we risk it, we roll the dice that James Harden's going to show up and care to play in Philly and be in shape and try this year. I can see it from their side. On one hand, there's certainty that if you bring back what the Clippers are offering, Joel Embiid's not going to be happy. You know that. Or there's a chance, maybe it's not a great chance, but there's a chance that James Harden is getting older. He's going to be playing for his next contract. That's something to, to remember as well, that that James Harden is going to show up and not do what he did in Houston and actually want to play and be in shape and all of those things. Not great options, but I understand why the Sixers are doing what they're doing here. And honestly, from the, from the Lakers side of things, yeah, I think I'd rather the Clippers not get James Harden. I'd rather they not get James Harden. Not to say I think it's going to work great. James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. Yeah, I, I don't know if that can work, especially defensively. What happens there? But that's also a lot of firepower. And it's also a lot of ran, you know, random Wednesday night, James Harden can go for 30. Same thing with Kawhi. Same thing with Paul George. Like that, that could be at the very least a pretty dangerous offensive team. So personally, if it's the Clippers are going to have James Harden or they're going to have like Batum and Covington, well, let's let's have them keep Batum and Covington and let's see what happens there. Now, 
maybe James Harden would create turmoil. Maybe that, you know, only one basketball, all that could destroy the Clippers from within. I don't know. Look, I've got no love loss for the Clippers, clearly. clearly. I hope Russ does great. I hope he has a a wonderful season, and I hope they lose every game, right? I, I... I think Russ gets a bad rap, and I'd like to see him continue his career and do and do well. Unfortunately, he's with the Clippers, but um, I don't think the I think I'd rather the status quo gets kept rather than the Clippers get James Harden. Just for the off chance that it does work, that could be a fairly potent offense. So I don't think this is a bad development for for the Lakers side of things that the Clippers aren't getting James Harden right now. We'll see how it all develops. Maybe they increase their offer. Who knows? Maybe they weren't even offering Norman Powell, and. This convinces them to do so. We'll see, right? Plenty of time before training camp, but interesting news here coming out right now. Again, maybe the Sixers just uh, rolling the dice with James Harden this next year. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you will have. Personally, I'm the shopper, right? I look around a lot of different places trying to make sure I'm getting the best deal, particularly when it's a bigger purchase, which, well, tickets to a sporting event, they usually are. So I shop around to a lot of different places. So game time takes away my stress when I'm shopping for tickets because they offer a lowest price guarantee, which is absolutely phenomenal. So it's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You get images of your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect. No surprises. You buy tickets in a matter of seconds. And because of that game time guarantee, you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time credits you 110% of the difference. Think about that. That's how convinced game time is that they will offer you the lowest price. They offer that guarantee. That way you can buy with confidence and avoid that stress. The tickets get sent directly to your phone so you don't have to dig through your email or anything like that. You get them right to your phone. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LakersNation for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LakersNation for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, Re, I think the Lakers starting off a tough schedule could benefit us. We win against the Nuggets, Suns, and Clippers. That's a great start to the season. Oh, sure. So let's talk about that a little bit. So the schedule, the full schedule is going to be coming out anytime now. Anytime now, we're going to get the full schedule uh, from the Lakers. It'll come out Sunday, Monday. We know the uh, tournament games are being released on Tuesday. So maybe that's when it'll come. But we do know a few games so far. We know the Lakers start the season October 24th against the Denver Nuggets. Ring night for the Nuggets. They'll be on the road. We know the Lakers then go and play on October 26th against the Phoenix Suns. That'll be the Lakers' home opener. So you get the Nuggets, then the Suns. Then we also know on November 1st, they're going to play the Clippers. So there's a gap between there. October 26th, November 1st. They probably have a couple games between. So who those teams are, I don't know. Maybe it's 
maybe it's a game against the Hornets and a game against the Spurs. I don't, we don't know yet. We don't know what the schedule looks like, but you do. What we do know so far is early in the season, there's three tough games. And then Christmas day, it's the Boston Celtics, which I'm a traditionalist. I love that they get the Celtics on Christmas. I'm excited about that. But nonetheless, I look at what Rhea is saying here, where if you can get off to a good start, if you can win these games, does that give you momentum going into the season? Well, sure. I think so, right? I mean, we talk about the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Suns. With At the very least, the Nuggets and Suns are supposed to be two of the very top teams in the West. So that's not easy. The Clippers are always in the mix, particularly if you're getting them at the beginning of the season and they're healthy, right? Usually it's you get the Clippers middle of the season. They're not healthy. Okay, that helps you out. Now the Lakers haven't beat the Clippers in a while. So there you go. So there's something. But these are tough matchups. These are tough matchups. It'll be a test. Can you come out against Denver and exercise that ghost? Can D'Lo turn things around against the Nuggets and have a solid performance for the season opener? He didn't do well against the Nuggets. Can he right that wrong? Against the Suns, they're going to have all the firepower. Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, right? You've got all these pieces, right? Can you beat them with your teamwork, your chemistry? There's no question. The Suns' top-end talent is going to be better than the Lakers. But can the Lakers' depth, their chemistry, win out against the Suns and then going up against the Clippers? Finally. Finally. I've been jealous of the Clippers' wing depth for years. Finally, this Lakers team has that kind of wing depth. You look at who they added, who they brought back. You've already got LeBron. You've got Rui. You've got Vando. You bring in Torian Prince, Cam Reddish. You've you've got wings now. You've got legit wings that I think can make this matchup with the Clippers better for the Lakers. So I'm curious to see what that's going to look like as well. In my mind, if you go 2-1, and you're feeling pretty good in, in that stretch. Now, I'll say this. As much as we look at the regular season, we look at the Lakers schedule and we go, ooh, that's a tough start. Yeah, but it's also the West. It's also the West. I think when we look at the Lakers schedule, yes, there's going to be stretches. There's going to be a week. There's going to be two weeks where we go, oh man, that's that's really tough playing a bunch of top teams. There'll be stretches where we say, okay, that's a lighter part of the schedule. All right, they can pick up some wins here. They can really, you know, maybe this is a five-game win streak right here. We're going to see that in the schedule. But I also think that more often than not, we're going to look at the schedule and go, man, this isn't easy. Because there's so many good teams in the West. There's going to be multiple good teams in the West that don't make, not the playoffs, the play-in. Multiple good teams are not going to make the play-in in the Western Conference. It's going to be a gauntlet. So I think... More often than not, when we look at any given stretch of the Lakers schedule, we're going to go, oh, there's some tough games. Now this, Phoenix, Clippers, Nuggets, that's particularly difficult. But even if it was Warriors, Kings, Wolves, that's not easy. That's not, And those aren't expected to be the top tier teams in the West, but that's not easy. There's so many good teams in the Western Conference. There's not going to be a whole lot of games that we pinpoint that are against Western Conference team, and we say, that's an easy one. And then remember, last year, the gimme game was the Houston Rockets, and the Lakers found a way to lose that one. The game we we saw guys sit out. So you never really know, but still, I don't think, I think when the schedule comes out, as much as we look at this start and we go, man, they can win three of these, that's going to be a great start, that's going to be awesome because this is really tough. I think whenever we're looking at Western Conference matchups, we're going to be saying, yeah, these are going to be tough games. It's not to say the Lakers can't win, right? 
but they're going to be tested. Everybody in the West is going to be tested, and it's just going to be the reality of the Western Conference. Uh, Praise Williams said, Austin is an NBA team knife sharpener. Any type of knife. I like that. I like that analogy. That's really good. That's really good. I really like that. A knife sharpener. Yeah, he is. He just fits anywhere. He just fits. All right. Oh, Alexander said, I love that we have more players signed longer than one-year contracts. Yes. Yes, Alexander. Yes. 100%. 100%. You know, we talk about, we're just talking about the Clippers. How are they going to trade for James Harden? They're going to stack up all, if they do it, they're going to stack up all of these mid-range contracts, all these like 10 to $15 million contracts. Well, now the Lakers have a bunch of these because let's face it, these are the currency that help the NBA get trades done. And we're seeing we're in an era where the general perception of, of stars or the general belief is take the money now, figure out the destination later. It's not very often anymore that you see big-time players leaving in free agency. Like, what's the biggest one in the last year? Probably Jalen Brunson to the Knicks, right? That's probably the biggest, like, free agent signing because players are re-upping. They're getting extensions. The new CBA rules make it even easier to get extensions as well uh, to get those done. So players are taking the money. They're figuring out the destination later. So that means that the way you land stars is now predominantly via trade. And so that means that you've got to have the salaries to stack up to make a deal workable under the CBA. And you look at the Lakers, I'm not saying they should trade these guys. I'm saying that the best case scenario is everything works out great with the Lakers and this team and their depth and they roll into the playoffs and this team wins wins a damn championship. That's not out of the question. But if they need to, if, big if, they need to, D'Lo is on a $17 million contract. Rui's on a $17 million contract. Well, $15.7 million this season. Austin's at $12 million. Gabe Vincent sitting right around $11 million for three straight years. Jared Vanderbilt, will they get an extension done with him when he's extension eligible? We'll see what happens there. He could be another guy on that type of contract, right? You've got these players that are on those contracts that are very, very tradable and very necessary if you're going to make the big swing after a superstar level player. So again, not saying that's the preferred option for the Lakers, but that does build in some flexibility. It also tells the story of a roster that has a lot more depth than what we had seen for so long there. Well, I guess really not that long, but it sure felt like a long time. It was LeBron. It was AD. It was Russell Westbrook and all veteran minimums. Didn't work out so well, did it? Because anytime one of those players was hurt or out or just out of the game, even you didn't have players, the caliber that you could, that were a caliber that you could really lean on them. Why? Because those guys cost more money. Well, the Lakers now have that on any given night. Rui Hachimura could put in 20 for you, 25. D'Lo can do the same. Austin could take over a game, right? Definitely. Gabe Vincent can get hot and get going. Jared Vanderbilt can change the entire tone of a game. With his defense. We saw him do it against the Mavs with Luka when he just pestered the hell out of him. They've got guys. Torian Prince shoots 44% for three years straight. 44% or better on corner threes. There's going to be a night this season where he gets hot and hits like five for seven on corner threes and changes the game. They've got guys 
now that they can lean upon during the regular season they can make big plays for them and that's a big difference you have to pay those guys more but that's a big difference than uh oh lebron's on the bench can russell westbrook and a bunch of veteran minimum guys keep their heads above water no now it's hey can austin go on the attack and increase the lead can delo get hot from 3 what happens there that's what happens when you've got guys on these mid-sized contracts. Not only do you still preserve the future flexibility that I think the Lakers really crave, they still have that with these contracts on the books. Though that, that was the goal with having all those veteran minimum guys was, well, we're going to have future flexibility. Now they've got, I think, just as much future flexibility in terms of making trades, and they've got guys that they can lean upon. Big, big difference. And we saw what a difference all of that made last year, post-trade deadline. Uh, Mamba Mentality said, I'm worried about JHS and Max Lewis getting zero playing time this season because of how deep our team is. Send to the G League for development and reps. Yeah, that, that's just it, right? If they're not getting minutes, there you go. The NBA has built in the solution to that. Go get minutes in the G League. And that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. Um, and I think that this Lakers team being in win-now mode, specifically when we look at the guard position, I think the guard rotation is very clearly going to be Austin, D'Lo, Gabe Vincent. They're, those three are getting the lion's share of the minutes. Max Christie probably gets mixed in there, and that may be it most nights. Maybe Cam Reddish gets considered a guard. I'm still skeptical of whether he'll be part of the guard rotation or the, the wing rotation. But that's probably going to be the bulk of the minutes. JHS, is he going to get a lot of minutes in the early going? No, but that's okay. That's okay. It's time for him to develop. It's time for him to work on his jumper. It's time for him to get his legs under him in, in the NBA. So often we're used to guys just, all right, he's a rookie. He's coming into a bad team. And so the bad team has to put him on the floor right now because they don't have anybody else. The Lakers have the luxury of giving JHS a redshirt season, essentially. They've got other guys who can play the guard position. You can bring JHS along more slowly. And considering he just turned 20 years old, that may be to his benefit. Long-term, long -term. the Lakers are in this for the long haul with JHS, assuming they don't wind up moving him in a trade, which who knows, but he's under contract. You've got him under the first round pick guaranteed deal and you don't have to rush his development. Same thing with Max Lewis, right? Because of the new CBA rules, uh, affectionately known as the Palinka rule, right? That you don't have to dip into the mid-level exception to sign these guys, these second round picks, these undrafted players to three or four year deals. Max Lewis is now under team control with the Lakers for four years. They've got him for four years. So if he's not getting minutes right now, because they've got Torian Prince, they got Cam Reddish, they've got Rui, they've got Vando, I wouldn't expect them to get minutes over those guys. That's okay. He can develop. He can develop. You've got him under contract for years. You don't have to get your money's worth right now out of those guys. He can spend some time developing, work in the G League a little bit, and not have the pressure of stepping in and playing right away. I think it's a positive. I think it's a positive for the long-term development of these guys. Much as I want to see them on the floor, I think the Lakers having the depth that they do is going to actually pay dividends for these young players by not forcing them onto the floor before they're ready. Instead, letting them develop, letting them learn the ropes, and then grow from there. All right. <laughs> I, I've got people saying uh, 
injuries can happen too. Yes, uh, that's for sure. Injuries can happen that can force some of these players into minutes. For example, Max Christie last season, injuries popped up. We saw him play in a few games, get into the rotation at different points. And that I think was really critical for his overall development as a player. Give him a taste of NBA life without having to get thrown into the deep end. It's a good thing. It's a little different if it's like the number one overall pick, but 17th pick, 40th pick, eh, let them get their legs under them a little bit. Let them get their legs under them. All right. Um, I did say this was going to be a little bit of a shorter show. Team USA gets the win against Slovenia. Um, based on the stats that we've got here, 92-62, so they won by 30. You had 10 points for Halliburton. You had 10 points for Austin Reeves. So if I'm reading this right, again, this stat sheet has been a little bit wonky. So I'm preparing myself for some things to get changed. But based on the stat sheet that I'm looking at right now, uh, Halliburton and Austin Reeves tied for the Team USA lead in points scored. So that is great to see in and of itself. Team USA getting it done with defense. I'm looking for them to start improving the three-point shooting. Uh, did not shoot well there again. Second straight game. They were six for 27 against Puerto Rico. Nine for 33 against Slovenia. 27% from deep. I think they got to adjust to that FIBA ball and get the three-point shot to drop. But the defense looks good. They're forcing a lot of turnovers. And that has been fantastic. In fact, Slovenia turned the ball over 18 times. Uh, USA, 13 steals. Those are live ball steals with the ability for them to get out and run. So that is fantastic for Team USA. Again, tomorrow, taking on Spain, 12.30 Pacific time. I'll be over on Playback, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation. You can watch the game, hang out with me while we watch the game, and we'll talk through it. We'll talk Lakers basketball. Uh, the other note, of course, James Harden. Sounds like he's not going to the Clippers for the time being. Maybe this is the 76ers playing hardball, but I think this is a good development for the Lakers. And maybe a little bit funny for the for the Clippers that we, we get to see the Clippers not get somebody. Doesn't hurt. Makes me smile a little bit. And then um, Austin. Just Austin. Uh, we want to see him to con continue to develop, and I can't wait to see more of him with Team USA because he just looks so comfortable I can't wait. I, I really do think, I talked about this recently with Jovan, that I think we're overlooking the growth we could see from Austin Reeves and the impact that could make on the Lakers season. He could really be a ceiling raiser for the Lakers this season. All right, everybody. Thank you guys again for joining me for this live LakersNation.com podcast. Make sure you are subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel and give us that five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. We definitely appreciate it. Great way to help out the show. You can do the same over on Spotify as well. Till next time, everybody. See ya, and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. 
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.